mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers. This is Sean, and coming to you live from my kitchen table, this is the Silicon Theory Podcast. Tonight, Sean P. and I are going to talk about all things Samsung with the Galaxy Unpacked event going on last week, as well as some very interesting information about the Google Pixel 4a new smartphone. So sit tight, I'm going to ring him up, and let's talk some tech. Hey, what's up? Good evening to you, sir. How goes it? Good, man. Took a walk outside. It's a nice 75 degrees out, so not too shabby. That works. Did you um, you take Say with you? We did. Excellent. Excellent. She's a very confident walker. She feels like she owns the place, I think. Oh, got it. That's what you mean by confidence. I was a little unclear there at first. Yeah. No, no, no. I think she feels like she owns the city. But she's kind enough to let us live in it, so that's cool. Does she not own the city? You sound like you're in a cave a little bit. Is that you or me? Um, I've got you on speakerphone. Hang on a second. Try now. How's that? Is that better? Yeah, a little better. Okay, good. I think I realized suddenly I had you on the um, speaker. Or, sorry, the headset. Not my speakerphone. Yeah, that would explain it. I'm like, man, it sounds like you're in like a, they said a cave in some third world country being kidnapped like Iron Man or something. Well, I mean, that is also entirely possible, but in this case, no, it was just me being a big dummy. I could hear you, and then I'm looking at my phone, and the speakerphone button is not clicked. And I'm like, why is why does your voice sound so low? Like, what is this? Technology card. I know. I'm really I'm really good at tech, apparently. So. <laughs> you do tech well. Yeah. Do, um, do you want to start with the uh, Samsung stuff, and then we'll talk a little bit about the Pixel 4a afterwards? Yeah, sure. Sounds okay. good. Cool. So um, as a recap for those people who aren't uh, as nerdly obsessed as we are, uh, Samsung held their Galaxy Unpacked event last week and announced a, would you say, a plethora of things? Sure. Let's go with that. Excellent. And so for those of you keeping track at home, yes, that was A3 Amigos reference. Um, We got uh, several phones. We got a couple of tablets. We got a smartwatch. And uh, we got some some headphones. And um, you, as the... um, as the uh, preeminent Samsung fanboy of the bunch here, um, why don't you pick what it is that we want to talk about first? That's a great question. Um, I suppose we can start with the. You want to start with the tablets? Yeah, let's start with the tablets. So um, I do have um, the wired uh, recap of what was announced. So I will uh, say only that um, the newest tablets are the Tab S7, which is an 11-inch device. And uh, both of them apparently, and correct me if I'm wrong, both of these now support 5G in the U.S.? I think, yeah, there's a Wi-Fi and a 5G variant, correct? Got it. And then the 12.4-inch Galaxy Tab S7 Plus, and um, they both have the Snapdragon 865 Plus. They have a 120 hertz refresh screen, 
four speakers with Dolby Atmos support, but inexplicably, the smaller Tab S7 has an LCD panel and the S7 Plus uh, has an AMOLED panel, which uh, considering that Samsung makes some of the best AMOLEDs in the business, I don't know why you would want an LCD from them, but it's there. And uh, they come at a very hefty price tag. The 11-inch model starts at $650. The 12.4-inch Tab S7 Plus starts at, wait for it, $850, and will be available on August 21st, apparently, in the United States. What, um, what are your general thoughts on why these are overpriced and no one will buy them? Well, first of all, it's nice that any Android OEMs are still making flagship tablets. Samsung's really the only one that still even dabbles in it. Usually in years past, they weren't using this year's Qualcomm flagship chip. They usually been like one year behind, typically. Um, so, you know, they're using last year's flagship. Although last year, I think they did actually have it as the 855 power tablet. But this year, they're, they're actually using the... You know, the S865 Plus, so it's kind of a top-of-the-line processor. And the tablets are nice. They have all the hardware. Um, the LCD screen is a little bit of a weird choice, but iPads have LCDs. And having used a bunch of the 120 hertz uh, LCDs that Apple uses, it didn't really ever bother me that much. I'd rather have an AMOLED because of the contrast and some of the, you know, other, other advantages that they have. But an LCD itself is in a deal breaker. I haven't seen it, so it's hard to tell, but I'm assuming it's high quality. And then the, the larger of the two with the 12.4 inch AMOLED looks, you know, beautiful in videos. Again, I haven't had a chance to see it in person yet. I think the bigger problem here is strictly just software. It's at these prices when they're equivalent to an iPad Pro. It's difficult to uh, recommend the Samsung tablet because Apple a Apple has an entire OS now dedicated to iPad, and it's just for ta for the form factor a lot better. You can do more with an iPad. Um, so yeah, I, I, the problem is mainly price. I don't really have any beef otherwise with these. I think they're they're exactly what they should be. Really top end specs. Um, they're 16-10 aspect ratio, which, you know, this just gets goes down to preference. Uh, I think if you're consuming a lot of media, this is probably a better uh, aspect ratio than the 4.3 that the iPads have. But if you're doing a lot of productivity work, maybe the 4.3 is better. So I think they each have kind of, you know, pluses and minuses that way. Um, but ultimately, I think it just comes down to software, and Apple has them beat. And so if you're a consumer walking into a store... For most people, the iPad's the way that you should go. So the market for this just seems small. If you're an Android guy and you want to have a top-of-the-line Android tablet, this is the obvious choice. Um, I read a thing that says, you know, it's really particularly good for streaming, for game streaming. So, you know, Xbox, or Microsoft, excuse me, um, has their streaming services, and there's more and more of these game streaming services. And they said, you know, it's perfect for that because the screen is a – a good aspect ratio for gaming. It has the super fast refresh. Um, the games look great because it's an AMOLED screen, especially on the larger ones. And Apple is taking the bizarre stance of they're not letting streaming apps for video games into their app store. Um, I think the reason was because they can't validate the content of the games that will be streamed, which seems kind of strange. I know there's a lot of like 
debate about this on the internet of why they're actually not doing it. But, you know, again, we're talking about pretty niche markets at that point. So it's people that want an Android flagship tablet or maybe this subset of people that want to have a tablet for game streaming services. And I can't imagine there's a ton of people that fall into those two groups walking around. Can you can you hear me eating? Can I hear you eating now? What are you eating? I was eating some Skittles. Oh, okay, but you're like, are you eating the current original quote unquote Skittles, but they have apple in them? Um, I it is the red bag. Uh, there is a green one in here. Let me grab it real quick and see what it is. It's apples. Yeah, it's probably apple. It's not lime, as you prefer. Do you know why I'm eating Skittles? I think even calling them originals like a slap in the face to anyone. Um, yeah, it's apple. Remembers the true original because green apple is an abomination and does not belong in a Skittles bag. Lime all the way. So that, I, that, uh, that's fair. Do you know why I'm eating Skittles? Oh man, I'm gonna regret asking. Why are you eating Skittles? Because nobody gives a crap about Android tablets. <laughs> but you kind of do, right? No. So here's the thing. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I think they're overpriced because I think the two subsets of people that you mentioned are gamers going to be able to spend $850 on a tablet that runs Android. Okay, so an even smaller subset of the small subset of people that we mentioned. And then the people who want a really nice Android tablet, um, there none of those people exist. And the people who want a really nice high-end tablet are buying iPad Pros because you can actually do something with it, unlike Android, which on tablets, their operating system is effectively hot garbage. I wouldn't completely agree with that sentiment because I have a Tab S3 that I still use, and it's fine. I mean, it, I used it for years without complaint, but I use it primarily like surf Reddit and the internet. Um, and that's kind of what I do with it. Would you con- I, would you consider using it after you got the um, Z Fold or Z Fold Two Five G? Probably not, because it's starting to show its age a little bit. It's slowed down a little bit, but. But I mean, it, it, let's say it was. Let's just say it was a current gen tablet, and you were gonna you were you were using it mostly for the purposes that you were talking about, which is like internet browsing and, and content consumption. Would you use it after you had a big phone? Probably not. If I had a folding phone that folded out into a tablet, I think I would use that primarily. Yeah, and that's my point, is I think that people who use tablets use them, as you've said, as primarily as content consumption devices. And I think that the iPad, in its way, does that better. It's They're not as good, don't get me wrong. Some of the Android tablets, in terms of spec, like especially the Tab um, S7 Plus, is a, is a spec monster. It's just a crazy piece of hardware. Um, and other than maybe the straight up iPad Pro um, big edition, um, I, I don't I don't think it's as it, maybe it's as nice. I don't know. I, I I wouldn't personally consider it as nice, but I don't think it's as good. If that makes sense, like there is uh, enough people in the world that you can find somebody who's going to make. And again, the caveat is if you're using a hacky Android TV streaming app, then okay, yeah, you probably need Android because iOS is not the way to go if you're hacking um, stuff to get free TV or free movies. But for everybody else who's literally just launching Netflix or launching Amazon Prime Video or launching YouTube TV or launching Hulu or launching 
Um, I don't know why anybody would launch Peacock or that god awful Verizon Go 90, but you know, if you were launching those, it, the, all of those apps exist on iOS, and it it works better for what that is than the Android tablets do, even if the Android tablets themselves are better. And I certainly wouldn't pay. I can get a standard iPad for like three hundred and twenty nine dollars. That is everything within a spitting distance of that Android tablet, and I'm not spending eight hundred fifty dollars. No, I agree with you. I think that for me, the the main differentiator would be the screen. Um, I, I, you know, I, I want to see measurements and stuff on the AMOLED screen, but I'm willing to bet that you know this super high resolution, 120 hertz AMOLED's probably going to be the the nice screen that you can get on a tablet. But you're right; like it, it still doesn't. That's a tough sell. So again, for someone like me, who if if I were in the market for a really high end tablet, and I didn't want to get an iPad, which I personally would not. This would probably be the direction that I would look. But for the price tag, like I wouldn't likely pull the trigger. It's not, I don't think there's enough utility there for me. Um, but I would love to see one because I do. I, I bet that screen's gonna be pretty special. Um, 120 AMOLED giant screen. I'm sure it is too, but I think that people at that point, if you're going to buy something like that, like I could, I mean, you can't take it with you obviously, but if you're just watching stuff on the screen, like you can probably spend two or 300 bucks more and get like a 42 inch TV that has just as nice a screen. Uh, well, okay, you know, this, this is getting way deep into nerd talk, but like there are many true OLED TVs. It's like LG has the only one that's even kind of in that ballpark and they're way more expensive so true you know OLED TVs are like $3,000 they're very very pricey but like I don't think you're cross shopping the two look these are the best Android tablets but that's not saying much and until the software catches up there's just there's a very small market of people that this makes sense for over an iPad and that's that yep fair enough fair enough okay what do you want to do next you want to do the um, watch, watch 3? Yeah, sure. Okay. So the Samsung Galaxy Watch 3 is a natural successor to the 2018 Galaxy Watch, as apparently there is no Galaxy Watch 2, which is kind of weird. But um, it is a smartwatch, a 1.4-inch round screen that comes in both 41mm and 45mm sizes. Samsung says you can expect a two-day battery life from both models, which is clearly a lie. Um, with the Watch 3, you can measure your VO2 max, which is the maximum amount of oxygen you use during exercise. You can also measure your blood oxygen saturation levels. It does sleep tracking and sleep scoring. It also has uh, LTE connectivity, Samsung Pay, and uh, fall detection, apparently, which is very similar to what was uh, announced and launched on the Apple Watch Series 5. Uh, it also has electrocardiogram or EKG, can track blood pressure, and Samsung has indicated just received FDA clearance for the ECD function in the U.S. Uh, blood pressure tracking is only available in South Korea and inexplicably Brazil. Um, the 41 millimeter watch uh, chimes in at $400. The 45 millimeter version is $430. That is without LTE. LTE models will add you another 50 bucks, so 450 and 480 respectively. So, what uh, what do you think about the watch three? The design is really nice. I think Samsung makes the best looking smartwatches. 
I like the circular face. Uh, I think the two sizes make sense. I like the colors that they have. You know, they have the normal black, and then they have the um, the new bronze, fancy color they're doing this year. Metallic bronze. Oh, is it, is it mystic bronze? bronze? Let me look. I'll look. I, I think it's different depending on, yeah, like there's a matte version and there's a shiny version. So, um, And then it also comes with silver, if I'm not mistaken. And I think they look great. Um, they have the, the, fate, you know, the bezel that you can rotate to navigate the uh, operating system. They run Tizen. I actually think you may actually be able to get two days worth of battery life out of them because they're not running Wear OS. That's possible. Uh, they added a lot of nice features as you went over to kind of at least put it as much as it can toe-to-toe with the apple watch and um the headline here is the same though the prices went up 70 dollars over the old one so they now go head-to-head directly against the apple watch five and feature for feature and operating system for operating system you know what they offer uh the apple watch does more so, uh, you know, this boils down to a lot of what we're talking about. I think the Apple Watch is the benchmark for wearables. I don't think this, this measures up all the way in terms of what it can do. But I think from a look standpoint, it's better looking. I, I just much prefer the look of this. And it really boils down to, you know, if you're an Android user, this is probably a better choice for you. Um, whereas if you're an Apple user, you would just buy an Apple Watch and call it a day. So, yeah, it, it's really nice. I just, it, I guess we're going to be saying this a lot tonight. Are there a bunch of people that want to spend <laughs> as an entry level price $399 and $429 on these products? So, um, just for clarity's sake, the 41 millimeter size comes in Mystic Silver. And Mystic Bronze, which um, is not available in the 45 millimeter size, it's only available in Mystic Silver and Mystic Black. The um, black is all black. The silver is actually a rather attractive looking silver casing with a black rotating bezel and face. Um, and, and I agree with you. I think that the round, um, the round smartwatch design, the round wa- smartwatch form factor is much more appealing from a visual aesthetic standpoint. Um, not only if you're an Android user, but specifically if you're a Samsung user, like this is probably the best smartwatch you can get. Um, it does a lot of good things. Like I think the, did I say EKG? I probably meant to say ECG, electrocardiogram. Um, but it, it does have some, you know, some significant health benefits. And we've talked about this before, like much as it pains me to talk about the clarity and the um, forward thinking um, progress of, of Apple products in general, they, they have become very defined market segments for what it is that they do right so the um, apple watch uh, the first iteration what they you know the the launch version apple watch zero and apple watch one were kind of floundering around didn't really know what they wanted to be and then somebody at apple said you know what we need we need to make this a um health appliance and a fitness tracker. And so they really focused on health appliance and fitness tracker and telling time, you know, which is kind of what a watch does, um, but telling time and, you know, receiving notifications, reading your text messages and emails and stuff like that is, is very, very secondary to what its function is. And yeah, it's a, you know, square hunk of, you know, metal of whatever kind, you know, stainless steel, aluminum, um, a few other metal uh, finishes that they offer and, and glass and sapphire crystal. 
but it, it really does what it is focused on to do. And it's fifth iteration, you know, presumably the sixth iteration, which we'll get a little bit later on this year, um, which will include things like sleep tracking for, um, for people. It, it really does do a very few things very, very well instead of trying to be all things to all people. And I think Samsung's approach has traditionally been, let's try and be all things to all people and let's cram as much stuff in here as we possibly can. Um, and, and that's, typically the basis of my skepticism with, you know, two-day battery life on a smartwatch because you get LTE and you're taking phone calls and you're tracking, you know, your steps and you're hiking and you've got GPS on and stuff. I bet you you could shred that thing in a day pretty easily, probably in, you know, 10 hours maybe if you if you wanted to. And that's not to say that you couldn't do the same thing with an Apple Watch, but I think it's much more of a generalist piece um, versus the Apple Watch, which is very focused and very specific on a couple of very unique things that it does and that it does very, very well. So less is kind of more in the Apple Watch's case. And Samsung's approach is traditionally, even with their phones, which we'll talk about a little bit later, you know, more is more. And sometimes that always, that sometimes that doesn't always end up being a good thing. And I agree. I think visually, like if I had to wear a smartwatch on my wrist, like I would much prefer the design of the Galaxy Watch 3 because I think it looks really cool, especially that mystic silver with the black face, the rotating bezel is a really fun and great um, mechanical way to interact with the operating system. And I think it's very intuitive to use. Um, I just don't, I don't know as that at that price point, you know, again, if you're an Android user or a Samsung user in particular, you're probably invested in the ecosystem and maybe you want it and maybe you don't. Um, I don't I don't know that this particular watch at this particular price point is going to entice anybody to switch. No, I think it's the best looking smartwatch on the market, I, but I wouldn't expect it to be like a massive seller. And um, for most users, it depends on what ecosystem you're in. And if you're in neither uh, the Apple Watch does more, and I would imagine that people would lean that direction but it's really nice it's it, it really does look you know all the way back to what was the first moto 360 is that the first yes smartwatch? yes it was I mean, kind of the concept before the flat tire of like oh wow someday we're gonna have watches that look that good this actually does look that good I, it, it really in every color i think it looks nice um and, and the design, I think, makes a lot of sense with the rotating bezel. I, that, as far as operating the user interface on a smartwatch, I think is really clever. Yeah, and, it's uh, well done. Um, but, yeah, it's just expensive. And I, I think there's a limited market for people looking for expensive, decent-powered <laughs> smartwatches. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, for the three of you out there in the world that love this watch, you're gonna love this watch. I had a friend who bought one. He, he's been using a God. I forget what generation he's using. It's got to be three years old at this point. But he was using a really old one, um, and he said it's been great. But the battery started to give up the ghost. Mm-hmm. He went and bought a 45 millimeter day one, and uh, you know says it looks great and is very happy with it. So there, you know, but he's a no user. Um, and so it makes a lot of sense for him. I'm not sure it makes a lot of as much sense for other people, but you know, sometimes we pick on them because it's just really easy to say that eh, the Apple does more by that. But it's like Samsung is literally the only other game in town in this market. Like there, there is no other smartwatch that I would even consider. And the fact that theirs is even within spitting distance as far as features and looks as good as it does. <laughs> I want to make sure we're giving them some credit because there is credit due there. 
No, that's fair. Uh, in fact, I'm, I'm looking at the website right now that um, Mystic Silver with a brown tan color band looks really, really, it's timeless. It's a timepiece looking device and it's classic and I love it. Um, I'm just, I'm not going to pay that much money for it. So um, how do you feel about, you want to talk about the um, Galaxy Beans next? Yeah, let's talk about the beans. For those of you that aren't uh, in with the inside joke, this is actually the Samsung Galaxy Buds Live, the newest set of headphones from Samsung. We call them the Galaxy Beans because they are shaped like beans uh, and bear a very close resemblance to them. The Buds Live are differentiated from the regular Samsung Galaxy Buds Plus, not only in shape and in colors, because there is the Mystic Black, Mystic White, and the very fabulous Mystic Bronze, but they offer, allegedly, active noise cancellation, allowing wearers to block out ambient sound from the world around them. They are tuned by AKG with larger 12mm drivers, so larger compared to the Buds Plus. They also apparently are um, sporting some improved microphone quality for phone and video calls. Three microphones in the Buds, and they use the standard beamforming tech to tune out background noise and focus on your voice when you're in noisy environments. You get um, always on Bixby, (laughs) as if somebody actually wanted that. Um, And they are rumored to last around eight hours. If you turn on um, all of the bells and whistles, you should get around five and a half. You can get about um, 20 to 21 hours of charging out of the slightly larger than the Galaxy Buds Plus case, Um, but it's color matched to the uh, beans themselves, which is very nice. They go on sale August 6th for $170, which is cheaper than the AirPods Pro by about 80 bucks, which also feature noise canceling, which is actual noise cancellation. Um, how do you how do you feel about the beans? I'm I'm in the interest of full disclosure, I am fascinated by how they look. I'm really interested to see how they would fit a normal human being. And uh, my my brother-in-law uh, got his pair and I saw them today. And uh, they look really cool. He says that they are very comfortable, but he hasn't had a whole lot of time to mess around with the sound profile and stuff like that. But what are some what are some general thoughts? I mean, these things were leaked for a very long time, but now that we've seen them and they're here, what do you think about the beans and what do you think about their price? Um, the reviews are pretty good overall. From a fit standpoint, people say that unless you have pretty small ears, they're pretty comfortable for kind of a wide range of sizes. So from that perspective, they seem to be pretty good. Um, I think the price actually for 169 for a pair of earbuds isn't too bad. Uh, it's one of the few products that I would argue is probably not overpriced. Um, I think that you know again I have not had a chance to use them yet, but, ba- but use them yet. But based off of the reviews, they do technically have active noise cancellation, kind of. But the way Samsung did it is really different than everyone else so i don't think it's comparable basically they built it to filter out like low level sustained noise but let in kind of ambient noise so unlike um the the sony's and even the ipad uh, excuse me ipod pros that actually have real active noise canceling i would categorize this as something else that's slightly different i don't from what i'm reading i don't think they're in the same class um but it sounds like the sound quality is pretty good from from all the reviews I've read. Uh, there, you know, different people say different things. Some people prefer the the Pixel. Are they the Pixel Buds too? Yeah, Pixel, Pixel Buds, Buds too. Mm-hmm. Pixel Buds. 
Uh, a lot of people say those are kind of like the benchmark in a lot of ways for sound, but most of the reviews are complimentary. They sound good. Uh, most people seem to say they fit pretty well. And, um, you know, the, the ANC, such as it is, uh, seems to do a job like it is doing something, but um, I, I don't think they're based off what I'm reading in the same class as some of those others. So if you're someone who's really looking for real active noise cancellation, um, these aren't those. You know, it, it, it's also interesting. It, it looks like the Buds Plus, which a lot of people love, um, they're considered to be one of the best on the market. I guess these are meant to live kind of like side by side with them. So it's unclear if there's going to be, from what I read, it almost sounds like there's going to be another iteration of the normal Buds, and then there's going to be like this separate line for the for the Beans or the Buds Live or whatever. But it's like, I don't know what the differentiating factor is going to be. Um, I would assume the next generation of actual buds would have active noise canceling or this version at least. So it's like at that point, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me to have two product lines that are basically the same except for the shape. But I guess we'll see what Samsung is going to do. Two products diverged in a wood and I took the beans less traveled by. I think in yeah. for those and of you... Cow- they are cowards for not just calling them beans. Internal <laughs> development, they were called beans. And in the firmware, you can still find many references to beans. And I just think that they really missed uh, an excellent opportunity because Buds Live doesn't exactly roll off the tongue and beans does. And they look like beans. And it's like, just embrace and roll it. Roll it, man. Do it. My 100% agree. This is absolutely a missed opportunity for Samsung. For those of you who haven't had a chance to see them or who haven't had a chance to see them or who are just kind of interested in getting some more information about them, the Galaxy Buds and Buds Plus, I, so I own the original Galaxy Buds, they're true wireless and they have kind of like the silicone tip and they're you know what people would probably think of as tr- the traditional style of earbuds, right? They kind of go into your ear canal and seal with the silicone um, tips and, and that's passive noise cancellation and that's what keeps the sound out. The um, Galaxy Beans, for which I will forever refer to, refer to them as, um, have a, a different shape. So they're much more akin to the Pixel Buds 2 uh, in this respect that they kind of sit in the shape of your ear. They don't actually stick anything. They don't go into your ear canal. But the, the way the, the um, speakers are, they're designed to drive the noise inside your ear, if that kind of makes any sense. And... Um, they, they kind of fit in that weird oblong space of your ear and the outside of your ear canal. And so they just kind of hang out there. And kind of as you've already alluded to, I think if you have, you know, um, anything other than the smallest, you know, frame of ears, they'll probably nestle in there pretty good and, and feel all right. Um, but I think this was... I think this was kind of a miss. I mean, the price is good. Um, the the Mystic Bronze and the the white colors in particular are very eye-catching. And I think if what you wanted to wear them as was a fashion piece, like that would be kind of cool. But the fact that they're touting the noise cancellation, but it doesn't actually you know do anything other than the eliminate the the low frequency kind of like rumbly bassy kind of sounds. Um, makes it really a miss for people who actually were looking for active noise cancellation. Because I think, and we've talked about this, like you could find refurb um, Sony, I'm going to get this wrong, WF-1000M3s. I think those are the in-ear ones with X Sony's excellent noise cancellation. Now they do have the silicone, you know, in your ear canal kind of tips. But if you're okay with that, you can find them 
for as little as like the refurbs were 99 bucks and I think they were on sale the other day for about the same price like 150 160 170 price range so if if and the Sony's you know noise cancellation is class leading so if you were looking for something that wasn't over the ear and had noise cancellation and, and considering that the AirPods Pro um, is it AirPod Pros or AirPods Pro what's the correct I don't I'm not sure. One is plural. AirPods, AirPods Pro, I Air, think. AirPods Pros. Let's go with that. AirPods, yeah, it's just Pro, I think. <laughs> like, yeah, sure. I guess I guess because if you have AirPods, it's AirPods, right? Like not, yeah. and then you just add the Pro at the end. So, this has been your Grammar Hour, brought to you by Sean and Sean. The um, the noise cancel cancellation on those I hear is very very good, and um, I have a, a friend of mine also at work that just bought them recently, and. Um, really likes them. They're great for the workplace. They tune everything out. You get the transparency modes. You can actually hear stuff going on around you when you want to. You can tune it out when you don't. Sam, um, the Sony ones are much the same. The Samsung ones are going to be kind of a weird mix of that, and I agree with you. I think that they're going to have a much easier time of putting ANC on kind of like the Buds Plus models because of the way they seal your ear, um, and those would be the ones that I would be really interested in. Um, these, other than kind of the cool factor, and maybe they you know sound really really good because typically um, you know wireless true wireless earbuds don't have the greatest sound because you know small speakers small drivers crap sound like that's just how it is. Um, you know maybe they sound really good, but I don't I don't I don't I don't get it. Um, and I don't know, they'll probably sell a lot of this first iteration just because of the novelty factor, but I don't, I don't know if they're really going to stick around, um, for a really long time. And that's a shame because like I say, I think Samsung tried something here, um, was kind of a miss. Um, and you know, maybe they will much like, you know, the fold that we're going to talk about, maybe they'll quickly iterate and fix some of the things that were kind of janky about it, but I guess it remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I'd like to try them before I decide one way or the other, and we'll see. Um, unless, unless, unless you were to receive them for free with the purchase of another Samsung-related product? Yeah, we'll get to that at the end. We'll get to that at the end of the Samsung segment. But dun, dun, dun. You know, I would definitely check them out, but if I were in the market for like true wireless, um, I would definitely buy the Sonys. I think they're kind of the the benchmark uh, for best active noise cancellation earbuds. And um, again, if I were spending my own money, in the, that's probably the direction I would go. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. And again, if you're in the Apple ecosystem, you know, the regular AirPods um, are good. And if they don't fit you or you want the noise cancellation and the AirPod Pros, they're a little more expensive, but you do get more. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Cool. So... Note uh, Note 20 and Note 20 Ultra. Let's play a fun game. This game is called Which of These Two Phones Has No Reason to Exist? <laughs> Sneak preview about how I feel about the Note 20. Um, but quick, let's give you the rundown. Um, the uh, Note 20 and Note 20 Ultra... Um, are basically the kind of high-end Note version um, phone with a stylus uh, offerings from Samsung. Apparently, their screen sizes are the same as the S20 Plus and the S20 Ultra, the 6.7 and 6.9-inch variety, respectively. There is 5G support. They share almost the exact same camera assembly, but it is a triple camera, which is a 108 megapixel main camera, which has a 50 times zoom, 
a, uh, let's see, what are the other ones here? The heck? They actually, they actually did change the cameras from the S20 Ultra. So, yeah, um, I'm seeing the Note 20 Ultra skips the 64 megapixel telephoto sensor for a 12 megapixel wow. one. Yeah, which is very weird. Um, both Note phones have ditched the depth camera, which previously allowed for improved augmented reality, which nobody cares about. The um, so the phones have matte glass backs. They are 4,500 milliamp hour and 4,300 milliamp hours, um, which is a little bit smaller than the S20s, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, the S20 Plus is 4,500 and the Ultra's 5,000. There you go. The um, Snapdragon 865 Plus inside the Note 20 Ultra has the 120 hertz screen. It is uh, not available on the regular Note 20, which is a traditional 60 hertz screen. The uh, Note 20 has a flat display. The Ultra has the infinity curved display. Uh, and the S Pen has a whole host of um, crap you can do with it. They are available for pre-order starting August 6th and will launch on August 21st for a brisk $1,000, for the Note 20 and $1,299 for the Note 20. That is the base SKU, mind you. You can um, opt to go up from 128 gigs of storage to 512 gigs of storage, and that'll set you back uh, on the 20, Note 20 Ultra um, 1450, basically. Um, and I'm not even going to mention the Note 20 because why would you buy that phone? Okay, so yeah, let's really dig in, shall we? The, the Note 20 is one of the weirdest Samsung phones I've ever seen. Um, it's so on the plus side, like a lot of people have been clamoring for flat screen Note for quite some time. The last flat screen Note was the Note 5, if I'm not mistaken. So it's been quite a few generations. So when this was first kind of leaked, it was like, oh, that could be kind of cool. But they, this phone is the most bizarre phone. And, and it, you know, when we start talking about the Ultra and then especially when we get to the Z Fold 2, it's, I actually tweeted this song the other day. It, it's unbelievable to me that this same company greenlit both of those phones because the S, excuse me, the Note 20 is one of the laziest <laughs> flagships I've ever seen in my life. And wow. Z Fold 2 is one of the most aggressive, like, kind of forward-reaching flagships I've ever seen, and they come from the same company in the same year at the same event. So the Note 20 is a flat screen. It's 1080p. It's 60 hertz. It has a hole punch, and, you know, look, the whole, like, size of the hole punch is silly, but the Ultra and the S20s have a very tiny hole punch. The one on the Note, tw Note 20 Ultra have tiny hole punches. The one on the Note 20 is, si like, considerably larger, like, double the size of the one on the ultra um and so it definitely sticks out it's a little bit of an eyesore comparatively um the back is plastic and it's supposed to be this like you know composite glastic mat thing that they're doing but it, all the people that have held it are like it's very clearly plastic and it feels like shit in comparison um no sd card slot 60 hertz screen um it doesn't have you know the fancy cameras um this phone is baffling like why you would buy it you can find an s20 plus all day for the 999 the same price they're trying to charge for this abomination and it's literally better in every conceivable way um it's got a higher resolution screen 
It's got a smaller hole punch. It's got SD card support. Um, you know, it's the S eight sixty five versus eight sixty five plus. So I guess technically the Note twenty has that in its favor, but no one cares, and that's really reaching. So this phone is bizarre. It, it really, to me, reminds me more of what the Note ten Lite was last year. So last year we got like the Note ten plus. We got the Note ten, which was a pretty nice little flagship, actually. And then we got a Note 10 Lite that looked very much like this. And it's like this year they're trying to masquerade the Note 20 Lite as an actual like Note and charge $1,000 for it. And it's offensive to everyone. And no one should buy this phone. It shouldn't exist. So just for those of you keeping track at home, you have called the Note 20 um, baffling. You've called it um, an abomination. You've called it lazy. You've called it bizarre, and you finished out by saying that no one should buy this phone. Is that an accurate recap of the events as we have come to listen to them so far, sir? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be dramatic, but I'm actually offended by this phone's existence. (laughs) Um, It is awful and seems to exist only in the vacuum of consumers looking at it and going, oh, that's shit. I should buy the more expensive one. Um, and that's, that's just like shameful. I, I don't really know what to say about it. it it's You have stumbled upon Samsung's entire brand strategy to make a crap phone that would force everyone to buy for the upgrade. Yes, I feel like it's a Trojan horse. Like it's like, you know, they, they took a steam pile of pouch and they're like, here, this is an actual product so that you of course go, I don't want cow shit and you buy the other one. But it's like, it's so bizarre to me. Like, they should have only built enough for display models at stores to deter people from buying it and, like, not actually sold any. Can you, can you imagine if somebody goes, yeah, I'll take that one. And the guy goes, I'm, I'm sorry, we, we actually don't have any to sell. It's just a display model. <laughs> no, it's a bad joke. Like, it's a regression in every way. It's just, that's it. It's a regression. It's, it's worse Basically, at best, it's equivalent to some of their 2019 flagships, but really, even then, most of those have benefits above and beyond this phone. I I have no idea how this came to exist, and I I really would love to have been a fly in the wall in the product design meetings or discussion about this, where they tried to justify its existence with a straight face. I think it's just a giant troll. (laughs) Wow. It's a thousand dollar troll then, if that's the case. So, I and that's the thing where it get that's the thing that actually gets me. So, let, let's break it down, right? So, no users, no purchasers, Samsung fanboys such as you were before um, waiting uh, for all of your life for the foldable phone is are, are people who typically want like the best of everything, right? Like they want the the most specs, they want the biggest screen, they want the the most S pens they can get. And they want all of the features and all of the stuff, right? So when you look at the Note 20 and the Note 20 Ultra side by side, I mean, we're talking about 0.2 inch inch difference in display size. You're talking about a curved screen versus a, where are you? You still there? Yeah, I'm here. It's flat. It's flat screen. Okay. Sorry. I was getting some weird feedback there. Um, It's a flat screen versus a curved screen. It's a 60 hertz versus 120 hertz. It's... Uh, got a, the Ultra's got a bigger battery. It's got um, basically what the Note kind of should be, which is the best of everything. So if you wanted a cheaper Note, you would traditionally go down to the Galaxy S series and just get the cheaper version of that, right? Because 
it's kind of everything, but without the S Pen. So if I wanted a cheaper note, I sure as hell wouldn't pay $1,000 for it. And if I'm looking at these two things objectively, why wouldn't I go, eh, this is probably worth the you know, $200 premium to get the nicer stuff or everything else. You know, and uh, granted, it's, it's actually closer to like a $300 premium. But, you know, I think for what you're getting for that extra 300 bucks, especially if you're here in the States and you're buying it on a device payment plan anyways, like the difference is negligible. Just pay the more money and get the better phone. Like if you're already going to spend $1,000, you're probably not going to bulk at 300 extra bucks, especially when it's the difference between, you know, 50 and $58 a month. Like nobody cares about $8 a month. People spend that on coffee anyway. So I don't... I don't. I also don't understand why this phone exists. Like, if you're catering to the Note people, the Note people don't want the the cheap, crappy Note. And that was another thing, right? So the difference in the the polycarbonate body versus the glass body, like another thing that just it, it's a. You spend a thousand dollars for a phone and it doesn't feel nice in your hand. Like, are you insane? What What is the? I don't. I don't understand who this phone is for. Because the cheaper people are going to buy that Galaxy S phone and the, the people who are willing to spend the money for the biggest flagship are going to get the bigger, more expensive phone that's nicer. Like, why would you have a almost as expensive but shittier phone? Okay, so straight up, you're high off your ass if you buy this phone. You fall into a couple <laughs> three categories. You should either spring for the Ultra if you want a note. If you want a note that's less expensive, that's not shit, you'd be much better served buying a Galaxy Note 10 Plus, which you can find easily for, you know, 850, 900 bucks, and it's still a far better deal than this POS. <laughs> um, and if you didn't need an S Pen, which most people honestly don't, having owned a bunch of notes, you can buy an S20 Plus for this same price, which just literally shits all over this in every conceivable way. Just don't buy this phone. That's it. Don't. If you do, you should really consider your, reconsider your life choices because you're doing it wrong. Just don't <laughs> buy this phone. Don't reward Samsung's laziness. This is the absolute embodiment of the worst of Samsung. This is this is just naked greed. This is the emperor has no clothes. This is just them masquerading nonsense as a flagship, and no one should reward them for it. Yeah, that's fair, and it it, it checks out. I mean, I I don't um, I, I don't think we can give this. Uh, I don't think we can give the Note Twenty a Silicon Theory uh, listeners' choice award by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it's, it's it's already strongly in the lead for like the absolute worst phone released for me this year. Like, I, I'm trying to think of one. Like, there, it is, it's in the lead. It, it's the clubhouse leader right now. Like, it, it is, its existence is just really awful. It shouldn't exist. It, it, it offends me. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. And uh, I agree. I don't, I don't, I think if anybody's in the market to buy a, um, you know, $1,000 and up phone, just get the Note 20 Ultra. You'll be happier. And you can say that Silicon Theory sent you. So, and just real quick on the Note 20 Ultra, I, I just want to say it is still exceedingly expensive $1,299. But I think it's one of the best looking smartphones I've ever seen. I personally really prefer the boxy look. And this is like pretty much. It is just a slab rectangle, but it's got the nicely curved screens that aren't too aggressive and basically is all screen except for, a, boy, a tiny, tiny hole punch. Um, the, the, I, I know people have a real kick for, like, they, don't, they really don't like these, like, large camera protrusions, 
but the hardware is very, very capable, and I actually think they've done a nice job of making it look good on this phone. I like all three of the colors they offer, um, and I think from a spec standpoint, they mostly got it. Um, you know, it's got a smaller battery than the S20 Ultra because of the S Pen, um, but it has, you know, the LTPO, which is the, the back plane of the screen. Uh, LTPO is a new technology that allows them to scale the screen refresh rate from 1 hertz to 120 hertz, whereas the S20 Ultra, I think you can only switch between 60 and 120. Um, so you're, you're probably picking up some battery life there. And then, you know, it, it's a little bit weird that they're still not letting you run full resolution at 120 hertz like OnePlus is doing. I've been following a couple guys on XDA kind of talk about this and this, the chips seem capable. There's some speculation that it may be the um, bandwidth between the screen and the GPU that's causing the issue, but it's unclear why Samsung didn't enable that. It, it seems like you know it could and should. But other than that, like you know, they they added a, a laser autofocus, which will hopefully resolve some of the issues with the that the S20 Ultra had. Um, as, as far as focus is concerned and having seen a few samples it looks like they dialed up the hdr and some of the things samsung went for a more natural look on the s20 but a lot of people actually kind of didn't like it they felt that it made the photos look kind of washed out so it sounds like they added like a little of that back in and um yeah i, I think the ultra is a really 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 nice phone and if if i were buying a traditional form factor flagship there it is there it is it it would be between that and the oneplus 8 pro and i and i think that this phone costs 300 dollars more um and and based purely on specs i'm not positive that you could justify that but i have to be honest i think if i were cross-selling them i think i would probably buy the note 20 ultra personally just preference but yeah, it's, it's really, really nice, and they, they lowered the price from the Ultra. It's still too expensive. I feel like eleven ninety nine would be a lot nicer price for this, but, you know, I think it's one of the best-looking phones on the market, and it has pretty much any spec that you can think of. It still has SD card support, S865+, 12 gig of RAM. It has UFS 3.1, which is, you know, cutting edge. Um, Memory, yeah. IP68, wireless charging, reverse wireless charging. I mean, it, it easily checks everything, and I think the design looks fantastic. It is a good-looking phone, especially in Mystic Bronze. Um, Mystic Bronze is kind of the, the fire color this year. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, um, I think you're right. I think, if again, the people that are going to buy uh, you know, a $1,200 phone are going to be really, really happy with what they get in the Note 20 Ultra. So... Um, since you are not going to be buying a traditional form factor phone this year, shall we talk about the pièce de résistance, the Samsung Galaxy Z Fold 2 5G? Yeah, so it's really too bad that we've been doing podcasts that are actually recorded somewhere for so long because I remember when the S8 Plus came out, like I went on this super long uh, monologue about how ridiculously priced it was. Um, how phones had spiraled completely out of control. And I want to say that phone was like 900 and, I don't know, $49 or something like that. I think, um, you're, I think you're right, actually. Which is to say significantly less than the phones of today. Um, and now I'm going to be the guy in a minute going, yeah, I'm going to buy a $2,000 phone. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 
Um, okay, so let's let's start this conversation by saying very clearly up front the one thing that we both agree on, which is you are out of your goddamn mind for paying two thousand dollars for a phone. No uh, question. You could argue that, but you know, I have a few arguments against, which we'll get to. But so here, here's where we are with the, the Z Fold Two. Um, this is the successor to last year's Galaxy Fold, and really, um, they addressed almost all of the shortfalls of last year's model. Um, the front screen, instead of being that tiny 4.6 inch screen, is now a 6.23 inch screen, so it fills out uh, the entire front of the device. Um, it has a small hole punch for the camera, uh, you know, on that screen. Um, on the interior, they've expanded the size from 7.3 to 7.6. Um, this is yet another one of the first generation of phones, along with the Note 20 Ultra, that have that LTPO um, backplane that I was just talking about. So this device also can scale between, um, on the interior screen, uh, 1 hertz or 120. Um, so it is 120 hertz screen as opposed to the 60 of last year. Um, they got rid of the giant notch in the corner. In its place, it's a single hole punch, which is centered on the right half of the screen. So it's a little bit strange. Most hole punches tend to be like right up in a corner or right in the middle. Um, they couldn't do the middle because it folds in half. They couldn't do a corner because of the packaging of the other parts of the camera. The main camera assembly and cameras are thick. Um, but actually, it, when I first saw a render, it kind of looked really bizarre um the actual one is a smaller hole punch than that first render that we saw and i think it looks great personally um as far as cameras are concerned we're still not quite sure if it's we know it's a 12 main um and a 12 wide the telephoto we're not sure if it's a there's rumors it's a 12 i've seen other ones saying it's 64 so we don't we don't know yet um that's one of the things we're waiting to see because they're going to tell us more on september 1st um it runs the interior screen at the full 120 hertz at full resolution, which is the first Samsung flagship to do that. Um, it has a uh, ultra-thin glass screen, so last year was CPI, which is basically a fancy plastic, but this year it actually is using an ultra-thin glass, the same as the um, Z Flip, and put a, uh, it has a cover over it, the same as the, the last two generations. It is plastic, but it's thicker on the uh, Z Fold 2 than it was on the Z Flip. So hopefully it'll be a little bit more resistant to, you know, kind of mix and scratches. Um, it's got a 4,500 mAh battery, 5G, Snapdragon 865 Plus, uh, 12 gig of RAM, UFS 3.1, and they dropped it down from 512 gigabytes to 256 this year. Uh, and it has wireless and fast wireless, excuse me, wireless charging, fast wireless charging, and then reverse wireless charging as well. Um, as I said, we don't know. We, it's going to be officially announced on September 1st. The rumors are it'll release on September 15th or September 18th, and the price is rumored to be the same as last year, so like 1280 We'll just round it off to an even uh, 2000 um, So very, very, very expensive. Um, so... Have you reserved yours yet? I can't, or I already would have. Um, I'm going to buy one. It looks like you can reserve them on September 1st. It comes in a mystic black and the bronze color. I can't decide which one I want to go with. Um, the black is glossy, which means it'll be a fingerprint magnet. Uh, the I really like the matte of the, of the copper color, but mystic bronze, excuse me. But um, 
in some of the pictures I've seen, it looks like salmon color or even a little bit pink, and I'm not positive I'm going to like that, so I'm leaning more towards the black. If you buy from Samsung, they're going to let you pick different hinge colors. Um, it's silver, uh, gold, blue, and red, and the blue is like an aqua color. Um, I'm leaning towards the black with a black hinge, which is actually the default, or I'm, I might go black and silver just to give it a little bit of like, you know, pop, I guess, in the color department. Um, but I'm definitely very much looking forward to it. And this is one of those things where you're absolutely right. It's very, very expensive. Um, ridiculously so. I mean, 2000 is insane. But it looks like for Fold 1 owners, and I actually did buy a Fold 1 last year. I just canceled my order when they started, you know, eating themselves. Yeah. Um, it looks like Samsung's going to give a trade-in, and we haven't seen the dollar amount yet, but it, it may be like between 800 and 1000 You know, if they give you a $1,000 trade-in, it's still a non-trivial amount. You're spending $1,000 to upgrade from year to year. But as we were kind of discussing earlier, my Tab S3 is starting to slow down. I need a new tablet anyway. Um, there's still absolutely no justification for buying a phone this expensive. Uh, I could buy a... Uh, no 20 ultra um sell my phone and buy a pretty nice tablet and probably spend 500 dollars less but you know as i said i really wanted the first generation and talk myself out of it because you know they were breaking all over the place and it seemed like a bad way to go but it really does seem like samsung took all of the criticisms and things that you would want to improve from the first generation and did it. I think the generational improvement is massive. Um, this reminds me a lot of the early days of like, you know, Android in general, where you were getting really huge generational improvements, which we're just not seeing in the traditional form factor anymore, but we are seeing here. And kind of as I alluded to earlier, it's just bonkers to me that, you know, look, say what you will about Samsung and they have their faults, but I think the Z Fold 2 is the most ambitious phone anyone's launching this year. And I think when you look at like innovation and you look at other companies, like this is the most innovative smartphone. Apple's doing iterative things and most other OEMs are too. And this is really like a complete departure from what we've seen and something completely new and different. And they're kind of leading the way. And this looks like a really refined product from what we've seen so far. And um, I'm really excited for it. Uh, it's... You know, we've kind of honestly tapped out to some degree in the normal candy bar form factor. And I'm a firm believer that foldables, both the vertical flip phone style and, you know, the phone and tablet style are what's next. I It's still, it's it's just hilarious to me that you're like, I'm very eager to spend $2,000 on this phone. Like, and, and I, I laugh, but I also kind of get it. Like I'm, I am interested in the Z flip. Like I, I think that to me is a much more interesting form factor, um, because it's a big phone that folds down into a little phone. And I'm of the two of us, I am the one who tends to prefer the smaller phones. Um, I say that as having my, um, you know, my OnePlus 7T and my Pixel 3, and I'm, I'm finding myself more and more gravitating towards my Pixel 3, especially with the Android 11 beta on it. Um, I just like it. I just like having that small, like, pocketable phone. Um, but I think that having, um, you know, something like the Z Flip, which folds out into, if I remember right, it's a 6.7-inch display, something like that. Yeah, the next one is uh, 7.1. I was just reading a leak about the next generation, and they're going to put like a full-on screen it looks like when it's folded like a screen that instead of that little like 
sliver screen that they have on this one. Yeah. They're going to put a full screen. So it's like, I just see these as the future, like either direction. Because for a guy like you, I think that you could keep it folded if they put that big, you know, so basically an entire half would be screen over the camera module. Yeah, on the outside. So you could easily, like, do now, you could do notifications and basic replies and stuff pretty easily on that screen. And it's pretty small. And then when you unfold it, it's literally bigger than the Note 20 Ultra. It's pretty, it's pretty mind-bending when you think about it. And whether you prefer the vertical style or the horizontal style of the fold, you know, I think you can make an argument. I think you can make a case for the additional functionality. Like you said, okay, yeah, I'm going to laugh at you for spending $2,000 on a phone. But, you know, if you spent, you know, fifteen or $1,600 on a phone and a tablet, you know, nobody would bat an eye. And essentially that's what you're getting in this device. Like you're getting a 7-inch tablet and you're getting a, you know, folded candy bar style phone when it's closed. And, and yeah, the Fold 2, the Galaxy Z Fold 2 5G is probably the worst name of any product I've ever heard of in my life. But the device itself is very intriguing from the standpoint of... What are you getting? You're getting a a phone that a freaking phone that folds, man. Like that's pretty damn cool. And yes, yeah, Samsung learned from their mistakes and they made a lot of revisions and they corrected a lot of things that were wrong with the original version of the phone, which I think again, kind of to your point, you know, to me this is this is an ambitious device. This is Samsung saying, We're gonna do some crazy stuff. We know not a lot of people are gonna spend two thousand dollars on a phone, but we're gonna make it anyways because we also believe that this is the future of the form factor and that phones are now more important than ever. In fact, it's actually kind of funny slash ironic. I was having a conversation with my mom this weekend and she's, uh, her birthday's coming up and we're talking about getting her a new smartphone between the kids and um, we're going to split the cost and get her. She's an iPhone person, of course. Aren't all moms iPhone people? Um, not your mom, but um, we're, we're talking about what we wanted to get her and she's like, oh, I want the iPhone XR or the XS Max. I'm like, why are you buying a phone that's going to be two years old at this point? She's like, oh, it's what I can afford, right? And I'm like, you're you're spending money on, you know, phones used to be like a luxury item. Now, especially in an era where we have a global pandemic going on, they are the way that we connect to the world. They are how we talk to our family using either audio or video chat. They are how we consume information about what's going on around us. They are how we text message, take pictures. They are how we do everything. It's how we are connected to the world. So why wouldn't you want to spend the most money you could on getting the most functionality and value out of it? And if you could get a phone and a tablet in one and just fold it up when you don't need it and open it up when you do it makes a lot of sense whether you're folding it horizontally or vertically. And I think that Samsung's, I don't want to say they got a lot riding on this because they don't really. I mean, they're a giant phone and and device manufacturer. Like, they're going to be fine. But I think that in some ways, if they can really perfect the foldable device market and, and they have several generations, you know, I mean, how, we're, Apple isn't even close on theirs. Like, we're, they're talking, oh, maybe we'll have a foldable iPhone in 2022 or whatever. Like, Samsung's going to have a pretty significant lead here. They've already got ultra thin glass displays. That was one generation. They've already managed to take a, a tiny outside screen and a notched inside screen and turn them into something that's actually presentable and attractive. 120 hertz, like AMOLED displays, which are, you know, amongst the best in the mobile industry. They're going to have a pretty sizable lead over Apple when it comes out. And I can see 
nobody's going to switch from an iPhone to a Galaxy S20 Plus or a Galaxy Note 20 Ultra. But I could see some folks switching to the Z Flip or the Z Fold 2 without question. Because as soon as you get some people who have those out into the wild, people are going to lose their minds. And they're going to go, that is damn cool. And I wish my phone did that. And once that happens, once you get that kind of coolness factor out there, you can't unring the bell. And a lot of people are going to go, where can I get that? And if Apple ain't making it, I'm going to go buy it from the guy who does. No, I think you're basically right. I think they, I think they actually kind of like do and don't have a lot riding on this. I mean, the margins on traditional phones have gone down, and you need to have something differentiates you. And I think this is definitely it for them. They're still, they're not there yet. Like no one should be, most people should not be buying this phone. I don't want to say no one, but most people like they still have creases. Like you can see a crease in the middle. Um, people say in use, it's no big deal, but it's still there. Um, and two thousand dollars for a phone is freaking out of control. But big time. Uh, but they're getting better faster and to your point other people will follow suit and if they're the leader in it the same as they are for AMOLED screens they they get to charge other people premium for their screens like they do Apple so it's like even when Apple makes it it will probably be using a Samsung screen um, and so you know this is kind of I guess they can offset some of their R&D by selling it to the public and sell some of the phones and maybe you know get some people into their ecosystem and then even in the longer term I still feel like they win because other people will use they said Android excuse me Apple doesn't make their own screens and if they want a folding AMOLED screen, it's going to be a Samsung screen. So, um, yeah, I think they're putting themselves, you know, in a good position. We'll see how this goes. But I, I think, like, curved screens, we always talked about this. Like, what was the actual utility for curved screens? Samsung tried really hard to come up with reasons. But even today, like, there really are good reasons. It basically, the best reason that I can think of is it makes giant phones slightly narrower, which makes it easier to hold. But that's a little bit of a stretch. I actually think the folding, flip, the folding form factor has a lot more, it's a lot easier justification, which is, oh, want a seven inch phone but you want but you want it to be pocketable being able to fold it in half makes it significantly smaller right and then for the other people it's like okay you're fine with the size as it is now but you want to have an even bigger screen or a tablet it's like okay now you can do that too and i have a feeling you're right i actually think that the the z flip style that folds horizontally where it's it, it actually keeps the footprint small, ends up being the more popular form factor long-term. But the tablets will get better too, and there always are going to be a subset of people that want it because, you know, eventually you'll have tri-folds or whatever, and you'll probably be able to unfold it in, like, you know, a 10-inch tablet that you can keep in your pocket. And there, that, that also has a, a, a very definable use case that I think a lot of people, you know, uh, like to have. So, yeah, it, We'll, we'll see. And we'll see if I get Galaxy Beams with it for free. If they do it as a toss-in, um, I'm planning, planning obviously, grab that. Um, otherwise, uh, I'll probably buy the Sony's. Fair enough. And I, I'll never forget the time I was in New York for the G7 launch event. And I got into um, like a like a stretch taxi. It was like a suburban taxi or something like that that LG had called for me. And the guy was using as his navigation system an iPad. Not like an iPad mini, but like a full-on iPad. And it was mounted to his dash. And I'm like, 
mother of God, why would you want an iPad mounted to your dash? And, you know, then, of course, we got Teslas, which have giant tablets in the middle of them anyways. But I think that that tablet functionality where you can fold open your phone and, and get a lot of real estate is going to be great for some people. Like, you know, even even like real estate agents. Oh, you want to take a look at a, a house? Like, let me fold open my phone and I'll show you all these great pictures. Like, there's so much utility, kind of like we've already talked about, that I think that there is, there's going to be something there. I don't know what it is, but there's definitely going to be something there. And as soon as they become commoditized and the prices come down a little bit, I think that there's going to be a lot less of a barrier to entry and that the adoption of these foldable devices is going to, is going to skyrocket from there. You know, is anybody paying, you know, what's the Z Flip right now? Is it Twelve hundred and something dollars, like thirteen hundred something dollars. for the normal, and fourteen fifty for five G. Yeah, so like, you know, again, it's a very niche product at this point. But the more people that have them, the more people are going to want them, and the more people that are want them, it's going to drive the demand, and the demand will drive down the price. And there, therein lies the future of Samsung's, you know, mobile offerings, whether it's horizontal or vertical. Foldables uh, are here to stay. And um, it's definitely something that I'm interested in. I, you clearly are because you're going to probably buy one. Um, and more to come, clearly. Yeah, and in a couple of generations, like to your point, if the Z Flip was suddenly, um, you know, $1,000 or even $1,200 and you walk in and you see it side by side, it's something that is much smaller when it's in your pocket and larger, again, than a Note 20 Ultra when it's unfolded. I could, I could definitely see that being appealing to a lot of people, especially if there's relative price parity. Absolutely. Any, um, any final thoughts on the Samsung Unpack stuff before we move on? No, man. Samsung's had a weird year. I thought they were going to be kind of like the world beaters this year because it seemed like um, you know everything was aligned for them. I think the S20 series was ultimately overpriced um, but did some interesting things. I think the Note series is kind of weird the note 20 sucks and the note 20 ultra those is actually pretty solid I, I think that's what it should be um i think the z flip was a standout this year and i think the z fold 2 looks like it's going to be based on what we've seen um but yeah overall weird year for them and i, I think they're a little bit um I, I don't know what's going on from a strategy standpoint with them, but there's definitely some weirdness because they've been kind of all over the map this year. So it'll be interesting to see what next year brings for them. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs>